what's up everybody this is left for dread Whoa. oh my god left for dread <laughs> two three three oh well yes Chris can't count yes it's okay yes um, i mean yeah. the, the, well, technically the pie is episode zero but yes we have three episodes we have three yes episodes. numbers we are, numbers we are, are great riding this groovy train um mm-hmm. So, and, and where where are we riding this train, Ryan? Right into hell. I was gonna say right no. to hell. <laughs> <laughs> because because you know what you know what today's topic is. Demonic possession. I want to insert yes. like spooky noises there, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> yes, today's episode is all about demonic possession, and we're gonna be talking about two movies, uh, The Devil Inside and Incarnate. Uh, I, well, I'll save that for a little bit, but I remember seeing a trailer for Incarnate uh, and thinking that that was a really intriguing and interesting approach to exorcism, so why the hell not? Oh, and it was. It was. And, we'll, and, and we will get into that. I thought it was, I thought it was probably like the most novel, creative spin on exorcisms I've seen in a very long time, um, which I, I mean... We'll, we'll 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 go to the merits of the movie soon, but um, it's a it's it's very it's very out there, and I kind of like I I respect it for that. But before we go into the movies, I think we should talk a little bit about demonic possession, um, in, in general. Um, so demonic possession is a phenomenon where individuals are are controlled, or they're being channeled, or they're literally being uh, controlled in, a, in like a parasitic kind of relationship by evil, malevolent, or uh, dark supernatural beings, um, commonly known as demons or devils um, in folklore and the everyday parlance. Um, how demonic possession, I feel like the majority of it, as we know it, um, stems from like uh, like judeo-christian uh um spins and interpretations so a lot of it has to do with demonic beings and um within a christian um with a christian context so uh, Satan or agents of Satan and the means of fighting them are the use of uh, priestly uh, rights and servants and um, uh, and workers uh, channeling the power of God and divinity and Jesus to ex- exercising and or eradicating demons. Um, but demons and demonic possessions is not a concept exclusive to Christianity or Judaism or any other Abrahamic faiths. Uh, it's appeared in many cultures and religions around the world and their forms and modes vary can vary very considerably and um for example um the oldest references to demonic possession can be traced all the way back to the sumerians who believed that Sicknesses and disease were caused by like sickness or plague demons called the Gedim or Gedem. Um, 
and the quote unquote exorcists of this era or this time or civilization, they were they were called like sorcerers or priests, uh, and as opposed to um, as opposed to like more prim uh, I guess like primitive forms of medicine. Uh, and there's actually uh, some documentation of this. Uh, that there's a bunch of cuneiform clay tablets that uh, uh, that demonstrate or that display depictions of figures giving prayers to gods, asking for protection from demons. And there's also other uh, tablets uh, asking the gods themselves to expel demons from the body so it's that's it's really interesting so um but in general i think christianity holds the i guess like monopoly or mo monopolization on on demonic possession and in, in terms of like the general well, i feel like i feel like i feel like they hold the monopoly on demonic possession because when you talk about uh, demonic possession in terms of Catholicism. They talk about it in terms of, like, Satan and devils. Like, they have names for very specific demons and devils that have been, quote-unquote, known to possess people. Yeah, and, um, and, uh, and unique to Christianity, the devils and demons are former angels, they're fallen angels that, you know, just turn to the dark side and, and are totally corrupted. Um, Judaism does it a little bit we'll... differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you explain more about that? Yeah, yeah. In in Jewish mythology, it's actually uh, possession occurs in the form of a dibuk or a da, da, dabek, I think is the verb that it comes from. I learned enough Hebrew to get through my bat mitzvah and that was about it. So not, not sold on the Yiddish or the Hebrew translation of that. But basically a uh, dibuk is uh an object or a box that has the uh ice the dislocated soul of a person so it's like a dead person who has been bound for lack of a better word to an object uh and if you do anything to this object or box or whatever it is that is what possesses you is this soul of this person so it's not a demon it's another living person yes it's usually malevolent but it's still a human being in jewish mythology which i thought is a nice uh i don't want to say nice but that's like a different spin i guess so technically oh i don't want to make that joke but technically <laughs> A Jewish person could get haunted by Hitler if we're gonna, or any other angry motherfucker if you like want to get into any of that. But yeah, um, in Jewish, in the Jewish mythology, it's a person, not a, a demon or an angel or anything like that, which I thought was really cool. And there is a really bad horror movie about that. Well, maybe one day we'll review it. <laughs> it's called The Possession, and it's okay. with. Aptly, aptly named. Oh, what's his name? The guy that plays the comedian. Oh, oh, um, and same oh guy. He God. plays Negan on The Walking Dead. Who is yes, it? Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Dean Morgan. That's his name. I love that man. Yes, yes. So, uh, yes, he's in. He's in the possession. Um, just uh, uh, some other tidbits. Um, Islam also has 
their own spins and versions of demonic creatures, specifically the jinn or the jinn. Uh, the or these particular spirits or devils uh, cause possession or changes in the behavior of humans, uh, th- often through temptations uh, of like lower baser desires, which, um, according to Islamic faith, causes suffering and d- disobedience to God and uh, moral decay or the their uh, degradation of the soul. Um, and unless you're in the world of American gods, if you've seen it, you know exactly what episode and what scene I'm talking about. They don't cause you pain. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but continue. Yeah. Oh, no, no, uh, then uh, the last point, um, the concept of demons and demonic possession also exists in Buddhism. Um, so in Buddhism, uh when you're in the cycle of like karma, uh, you can end up in a, I guess, a state of existence of suffering, of, of, of extreme suffering, or I guess their equivalent of a hellish existence. And um, demons that possess or that reside in this realm, they cause you suffering. Um, and the whole point of Buddhism is to. Um, escape that cycle of suffering uh, and there's like various levels and degrees um, and so Buddhist practitioners they have actual treatments and rituals that um, that they believe will appease a demon uh, for it to go away and to not cause you any more harm or suffering or or, 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 the, or basically it will appease the demon so it'll just depart to another realm so it's really interesting stuff yeah. I'm down for a good old bout of demonic possession. And uh, I guess it... Uh, I, I think with the... Mis- with this mystique... Or not, maybe that's the right word. But like, I think with, the, with, with these... I think... There's definitely an allure to... Um, possession and the occult and everything surrounding yeah. that. And I, I think... And I find it really... Oh, I'm sorry? No, I was going to say, I think even before things like the Satanic Panic of the 80s, which none of us were alive for, well, maybe some people were, but you and I weren't. Um, I think even long before that, there is such a, a firmly held religious belief about possession that, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say that the mind is a really, really powerful thing. Well, yeah, speaking of the mind, uh, throwing in... Some some psychology, um, like specifically Jungian psychology, you could you could say that like demons and evil spirits are an archetype, and with Jung he believed like that there's a collective unconsciousness, and when you look at world history, um, there's a plurality of cultures and civilizations and religious systems and beliefs that all adhere or believe or give credence to the existence of like evil spirits um you know under the collect the the collective term of demon uh evil beings that possess you that feed on your soul or they do you harm and um so it's, it's not an isolated um belief system this is something that permeates like all of like human history and civilization and so i think that 
that this that archetype, that trope, that powerful aspect of like the collective unconscious. And I think it, it manifests really, really easily into, you know, the the human imagination and that that then bleeds into pop culture. And um I yeah, I, 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 Ryan, I guess I, you, you might be a better expert than I am in this. <laughs> um, do you know, do you know, like, when the first, uh, f- like, I guess the first depiction on film of a demonic possession occurred? Like, I know, like, probably The Exorcist, which is that, which was based on a novel, I believe, was, is probably the most famous, but. Well, no, it's not just it's not just based on a novel though. That was the thing. William Friedkin based the novel based on a real boy who was exorcised. Um, it was a real case of demonic possession, or he believed. And I know we're gonna touch on this after we talk about the devil inside because this is a part of it. But um, part of the reason for the school that we're gonna talk about later was because there were a lot of deaths associated with exorcism. And I'll actually give an example of a really famous case of that in a little bit. Um, and I know that, uh, as, a, as a sidebar to that, I know that the UK, maybe a few years ago, uh, established rule, established a law, a law or a set of bylaws that protects children from religious rituals for this exact reason. Because people were getting exercised who had psychological problems and there was no differentiation between the two of them because in very strict religious households science means nothing to people like that so if there's something wrong with you they automatically think oh possession demon exercise the child um or person if you have severe psychological issues that can put your mind and your body through some really traumatic experiences and it does a lot of damage to you so i I don't i don't know when the first like real recorded uh uh, example of possession was but i know that obviously the exorcist is the first thing that comes to mind but yes the movie was based on the book and the book was written about uh uh, actual case of possession that william Friedkin was around Yay! So on that note, <laughs> we're going to talk about the movie The Devil Inside. And just before we start, I, well, just quick facts. It came out in 2012, and that was when I saw it. I actually took a friend of mine, and we saw it in theaters. And I'll talk more about that later. Uh, this movie was marketed as a found footage movie, as like a true story. Yeah, it, it's it's uh it's shot like a docudrama. Yes, yes. So basically, the uh, the premise of the movie is this little girl's mother uh, kills three people during an exorcism that's being performed on her, and she ends up going to a psychiatric facility in Italy, uh, in the Vatican. In Va- the Vatican, I believe City. it's in Vatican. No, yeah. I know it's in Italy, but it's in Vatican City. Um, which, why would you do that if there's no, I mean, I had, I had issues with that, but that's besides the point. And they show, uh, trial footage at the beginning and it's this whole like docudrama and she goes to find out 
what's her diagnosis and has anything changed. She's going to visit her mother for the first time. I think she's since she was arrested. Yes, yeah, it's well, since it's been 20 years. Or yes, it's been about oh, yeah, you're right. So it's been about 20 years since she's seen her mother. I think her father's long dead or dead or at, at that point. So she's like, this is the only family I have left. Fun fact, the trial footage that they used in this movie wa- actually came from the trial from the serial killer Aileen Wornos. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, there was a lot of hope for this movie to have the same kind of success as Paranormal Activity, but because of the ending, which we'll get to, uh, that didn't happen. And also, well, I guess I guess it uh, it depends on what your metric of success is. So, if, if well, it's look like, at Paranormal Activity; uh, they have had like five movies. That it it's that's true. It's been a success in the sense that I know I saw the first three, and at least the first three I thought were really good. But after that, I was kind of over mm-hmm. it. But they still kept making yeah. them. Um, in terms of franchising, this did not do well. But in terms of box office, it did. It did, it did pretty, pretty well. well. I mean, it, it's a. It, it was built on a really low budget, so the budget was one million, and it made one hundred and one one point eight million in the box office. So that's a that's a hell of a lot of a profit. But um, in terms of like the actual content or like the franchising potential, I mean, that's another story. But in terms of dollars, um, you know, I think they did pretty well. The sequel, I th- I think there was supposed to be a sequel, but the director kept getting hate mail over the ending. So then eighty six that. Like, real quick. Which, I don't know if I would send a director hate mail about the ending of this movie, but I can understand why you would get upset about it. And with that, let's get into talking about The Devil Inside. So, Chris, was this your first time seeing this movie? Okay, so let's start with you, because this was my second. (laughs) Okay, so at first I was like, huh, Devil Inside, okay. I'm not sure if I saw that. And then... The beginning seemed really new, but then once once it got to like this somewhere between like the first and second act, like it started to click. Oh, I definitely do remember seeing this. So, um, <laughs> I, I just it's one of those it's one of those movies where I I feel like I guess it's it was forgettable. I I I don't know. I feel like that sounds bad, but like no, I don't think been, it sounds bad at all. I it's think been it like sounds... six years since. I've, yeah, it's literally been six years since I've seen this, so it was mostly fresh to me. So by the time, like, the third act and the ending, like, I definitely remember that, but, like, the, the exposition, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, I was getting drawn in. I was like, oh, wait, I definitely saw this. Um, so I I, I think I, re- I, th- I'm, I don't remember. I, I think I probably saw this in theaters with, um, with one of my... Um, one of my girlfriends back in the day, uh, she's uh, was super big into horror and watching horror movies was our thing. So I'm pretty positive I saw this in the movie theaters because I don't, I wouldn't recall how else I would would have saw it uh, otherwise uh, at the time uh, because like I I yeah anyway, um so after watching this, um I was um pretty surprised at how well like the like at least the first two acts held up um because it definitely built like suspense and i i i know a lot of a lot of people got or i get this movie got a lot of criticism for being like a blair witch project ripoff but that was like 10 years too late or yeah but i know but you see i didn't i didn't 
I didn't see it as a, but, as a I mean, Blair that's Witch what, ripoff, though. I don't think I, they're comparable. Well, I mean, like, oh, well, I mean, that's, I'm just saying, that's like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm stating that review or criticism, and I'm doing a counter-argument. I think that's just way too low-hanging fruit. I feel like that just, I feel like that just simplifies, like, the, 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 the product of the movie way too much because like it does have its merits like i really really liked how it was framed and was shot and like uh it definitely it was it, it felt like steven spielberg and that it was a definitely like a slow burn and you know they they definitely threw in um like subtle seeds of like foreshadowing like it, like th- there was one scene in the beginning of the movie or near the beginning, uh, in the lecture hall, when the teacher was talking about how um, multiple demons can in- in- inhabit one person, or the concept of transference, um, and I thought, I thought like, I I thought especially the main the main her- character, uh, the main heroine, like really sold it. Like I think there was a lot of, I think I think pretty much all the all these actors were indie or relatively unknown i think maybe for the exception of uh uh susan no wait no maybe susan crawley like the the who played maria rossi i thought she she's been around some other yeah she's been around but i feel like mostly everyone were small time actors i could be wrong so please uh correct me on that um but i i felt like there was a good it was a good setup it was a good uh it was a, it, it it was setting up a good momentum, and then the ending, which I agree was quite jarring and abrupt. Um, it, j- like, it's things started to escalate like really fast, really quickly. Mm. Um, which I and, don't have a problem with in movies if it's which done I, right. I don't, I, yes, uh, but I think. Um, I think it, I think there were, there could have been, well, I mean, I'm not a screenwriter or movie writer, but I think there could have been some more development, but it just kind of ended abruptly and on a super bleak note, which in a way, I mean, given the subject matter that, that, that could be fair. And actually the, the directors were addressing this saying that, um, um, they were saying something along the lines where, uh, the sometimes the, that you can't expect a happy ending. Uh, so that's that's why they were uh, trying to defend what they did, and they felt that it was a avant garde, or they they wanted they they were they wanted to do like a left turn kind of uh, ending where this movie was a tie into like an expanded universe in in terms of like a meta viewing standpoint because at the end of the movie um at the the, or before the credits roll uh the last scene was like the rossi case or rossi affair has never been solved yet or you have any questions link uh please visit this website and they actually linked you to a website so they're they're trying to sell it they're trying to sell the immersion because the movie is set as a documentary and they want you to keep that feeling throughout the rest of the film even though even though it's it's 
the there are certain moments where it's removed and where you clearly know, know it's it, like it it it, it, re, it it removes you from the from the tone of a docudrama because because the, they still have to ham up the horror and like the shock factor and like the the macabre but um in general like i i was genuinely surprised at uh how much i like this movie um or I guess I was just surprised in general because I just forgot most of the movie in general. But I really had a really good time rewatching it for like the first time again, quote unquote. So, well, because it felt like the first thoughts. time to you. I okay, so exactly. I'm gonna ask you a weird question and then I'm gonna go into how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Now I can't remember because I remember sitting there watching it for this episode and I'm like, I don't remember the movie ending this way. And I don't know if that's because I thought it ended differently in my head. <laughs> and like that was the ending I wanted, as cliche as it would have been. Or if or if the theatrical release was different than what I saw. So when the movie ended, it was just a car crash, right? That was it? Yeah, th- that was it. That was literally it. Okay, so because in my, brain, like... in my brain, I was like, okay, now I'm waiting. Because I thought she was going to get up and walk out of the car. Or I thought somebody was going to get up and walk out of the car. And I don't know if that's because I was sitting in the movie theater with my friend and I was like, someone's going to get out of the car, someone's going to get out of the car, someone's going to get out of the car. And they didn't. Or I couldn't remember if I sat there and I said that and they did. So I was like, is there another version out there anywhere? No, it, or did I just fucking I, imagine that? I don't... I. For, to my knowledge, there there wasn't like a director's cut, like great, a great. Cut. So I imagine the cliche um, and, ending also. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So like, and basically, you saw like like again, we are not exaggerating. Like, it goes like it's like it's as if there's like a missing act in the movie because uh, so it goes to um like a test exorcism, which kind of gets botched and kind of goes. Uh, like uh, downhill, and and then and then everyone starts uh, showing exhibiting we- weird, strange behavior. So it's implied that the multiple four demons that it's that's inside Maria starts possessing the other people. So um, David, who's performing a baptism, st- starts to uh, intentionally drown a baby during the baptism. That was my favorite scene. Uh, yeah, I that was that, that was messed up. It was, was well, like, okay. Is... So yes, I shouldn't say it was my. I mean, yeah. it was my favorite scene, and yes, it is messed up because he is drowning a baby. But the look of on his face, it was just that for me, just sort of made it completely horrifying for me. I was like, oh my god, this is a baby, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was a, a kid. Um, I feel like if that was an adult, I found myself like rooting for the demon when he possessed adults i was like yeah go go which is terrible i'm aware i don't care and it's i and i think it's just i think it's just also a credit to some of the really surprising talent of some of these actors because they're i think they're all relatively uh small time or unknown actors yes well i don't know what they've done yeah i don't know what they've done since um but I remember, okay, so there are two things that I remember sticking out in my mind when I saw this the first time. Obviously, it didn't stick out the second time because I already knew it was happening. But I remember the first thing that stuck out was 
Vatican School for Exorcism. And I said, well, that's an interesting plot device. That's really cool. I've never seen anything like that. And then the two priests that she ended up working with use their faith and science. So they monitor people. They make sure that there is true... Um, they monitor their health and they make sure that they're a true, not threat, but they're a true case of possession. They have like this underground thing of here's all the cases that they've turned away and these are the ones that we validated. And I was like, that's really awesome. You have two men of the cloth. One of them is scientifically inclined and you combined both of them in a way that I don't remember seeing before that or maybe I hadn't. Uh, I'm sure now I have. Well, yes, now I have, but in 2012, I don't remember if I had seen anything like that before. Although, of course, I could watch a movie and be like, "Oh yeah, I saw that before this." <laughs> but I think I think it, I think it's really interesting. It's trying to give it a somewhat grounded realism, especially because it's like a documentary format. So, uh, with a documentary, I will say I will say that the detriment to this movie was the found footage. And that's because all these horror movies had tried to revive found footage. And I'm not going to say that Blair Witch Project was the first because it wasn't. Uh, do your homework. The first sort of found footage type of movie is actually a movie from the 70s called Cannibal Holocaust. Because the, because the way the movie opens, they make it sound like they found this movie from this trip into the jungle. That is a found footage movie, and you're watching the footage. That's exactly what this is. So Blair Witch might not have been the first, but it certainly was the first of our generation to influence the amount of people that it did for us to say things like, well, it was a Blair Witch ripoff. Well, Blair Witch did it better, this, mm -hmm. that, well, and the other. Well, I mean, Blair Witch set a bar that was really high at it set a brand new yeah, bar. And, and also, it, it really did. You know, I, I feel like it was a progenitor to like the cla uh, some of the more modern trends of like viral marketing. Like they were average. This is real. This is a hundred percent real. And, and and they were pushing it hard like that. Oh well, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I love it when horror movies try to market that stuff like that. It has to be done well. Uh, I think that. The way they did it with this movie uh, sort of uh, cheapened it a little bit. Uh, watching the fake trial footage in the beginning and, and all that, that was fine. I think where I found it to be a little bit cheap and a little bit of a cop-out was doing the Rossi Files website at the end of it. You could have you ended it on, this case has never been solved, and cut to black, roll credits, done. You also could have not said that at all and just stopped the movie, and that would have been fine too. But I think they just took that extra step and it went from being entertaining to cheap very, very quickly. And I think that was a downfall with this movie. But I still enjoyed it again. It was still very awesome to watch. I still love that combination of using science and, and religion when it works like that. So I can't get mad at that. No, I guess, I guess my... Oh, no, this is what I was saying. Okay. My whole point was that I love the way this particular movie 
managed to successfully marry science and religion together uh, into a cohesive plot. And I liked it. Oh, yeah. Yes. And and it reminded me of my point. Um, (laughs) So um, with it being a documentary or documentary format, they try to present it in... Yes, a mockumentary. Uh, They try to present the story or the content from like multiple points of view and they also approach that from when it comes to exorcism uh you can liken it to them being doctors of the soul uh and where you know they don't they want they don't want to do harm to the patient so they try to rule out everything so they mentioned it many times where um Maybe this behavior is because of mental illness or drugs or um, some sort of other real world uh, phenomena. But like Sherlock Holmes, you know, so there there are some, you know, if you or was it Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, he said something along those like if you eliminate. Um, was it just Sherlock Holmes? Uh, but the, yes. <laughs> yeah, if you eliminate like everything, uh, what's left. Even if it sounds impossible, must be the the truth. <laughs> I, I totally butchered that. I'm so sorry, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, so they're they're trying to rule out everything, and even like no matter how crazy it sounds, you know, you know, demons exist, and they 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 point out key features and key phenomena that point to um. When you have, hold on, wait a minute, I got got the quote, (laughs) when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, fact checking. It's not fact checking. I'm just a huge nerd. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they, they, uh, so like Ryan says, they, they, they approach like, uh, exorcism and demonology with like a scientific bed or like you're or using like the scientific method like we will test this for mental illness or drugs and it's like oh no well these these phenomena are unexplainable otherwise so demons must be the right. answer and i really like that i really like that clinical treatment so speaking of clinical treatment uh let's talk about incarnate because incarnate which came out in 2016 does the exact same thing. It marries the occult and possession with science, but on a very, it, very different. It level. does that, but it it does a, it, it does it with a lot of pseudoscience, yes. and yes. I love it. I I love how pseudosciencey they get. It was like it was like, was like, like okay, um, you're just, you're just it was re- like fringe. If fringe is about possession, I thought when I was watching it, this is like. Demon possession meets inception. Yes. And like I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> um, so anyway, you so, were saying oh, and talking about Incarnate, just really quickly before we get into the movie, just quick little quick little facts. Apparently to prepare for this, Aaron Eckhart disguised himself as a mentally ill vet like war vet and yelled at people like on the street to Yes, very, very method acting. Um, I don't know. I, I'm reading. I'm reading the trivia, and I'm not. I don't know how I feel about the rest of that fact. So I'm just not going to read it. 
because it seems questionable. But yeah, so it came out in 2016. I was very pleasantly surprised to see Aaron Eckhart in a movie like this. And again, this is... Well, not only Aaron Eckhart, oh. uh, you also had uh, David Mazuz, who plays young Bruce Wayne on the Gotham TV show. So, like, Two-Face is trying to save Batman. It's, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> but I, I sat there, tried to have an open mind. Um, I love the way this movie took off. I really do. I was like, whoa, okay, this is this is different. This is new. Haven't seen anything like this before. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I said that out loud while I was watching it. But I was just really, really uh, happy and thrilled to see something like that. Um, I don't know. It's definitely a is definitely original. It's it's definitely it, it definitely takes like the exorcism genre and like a place that I've never seen it before. And I think I think that gives it points. No, 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 but... no, absolutely, no, no, no. Yes, it deserves. I will get. I will always give points if they are deserved, where like points are due, and it deserves all of that. However, the door thing. What the fuck was that? Oh, you couldn't like... think of any anything anything else. I understood the object or the situation from the real world that you bring in with you into yeah inception the totem (laughs) right exactly i understood all of that maybe because i had seen the inception too many times that i got i was like this is fine this i am okay with but the fuck the fucking door what is that what's your favorite color oh it's it's a it's blue boosh blue door appears what is that what is that? You were original up until a degree. It was cheap. It was dumb. I was so angry and I was like, the door is going to be a thing now, as is jumping out of windows. I can see it. And yet, there it was throughout the whole movie. If it was just that one situation, fine. Mm. I could have dealt uh, with it. Well, I think, I think, uh, again, uh, just... Just bashing the amount of Andy. emphasis he put on that fucking door, I was like, "Great, yeah. this is going to be a theme throughout the whole." Yeah, thing. It, I mean, it's me so mad. It's Inception, but without like the finesse, and it's just, it's just, it's just bludgeoning you in the head with how much Inception this movie is. So, like, oh yeah, the idea that the mind creates constructs. So if you have, if you want to keep a secret, your mind will create like a vault to keep it. So. So Aaron Eckhart being like, I will, I want to incept the idea of a way out. Oh, look, a window. Oh, look, a door. There you go. It's like <laughs> you, you found this wonderfully imaginative way of exploring possession and ways to deal with it that don't involve a priest oh, wait, wait. or it's priesthood. Not, well, it's, 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 it's evictions. And it's- yes! Yes! And I was like, even that, I was like, oh, okay, oh shit, alright, I can get on board with this. But even that, you, you, you just, you murdered me. You murdered me, it felt like, and I've done this movie, I've done college films, that's what that felt like. It felt like you wrote something in at the beginning of the script, and you're like, oh, we'll come back to it later, and we'll change it, because the door isn't what I have in mind. And then you wrote the whole thing, and you start filming it, and then you get to the point where you're editing it, and you go, shit, wasn't supposed to be a door. Oh well, 
That's that. That might have been a little too harsh, but that's what it felt like. Oh, for it's, I just uh, maybe, maybe they're like. I mean, they had a budget of what I think like five, like five million. So maybe maybe they're, they were like down to like the last ten dollars. Like crud, just it's fine. Roll with it. I mean, it goes well with the whole like eviction notice. You're done. Door, get out. Boom, jump out the window. But I just I feel that there could have been. With all the creativity and time that you spent to build the world for this movie, you absolutely could have found a better way to achieve or actually, no, not achieve, deliver your eviction notice. There was a much smoother way to do all of that. Okay, so I think think this is a lot of info for listeners. So especially for those listeners who, who haven't seen the movies... And well, if you haven't this. seen the movies, you should be okay, watching before you listen to this episode. Again, <laughs> eternal, yeah. eternal spoiler alert. Eternal spoilers. <laughs> but let's let's walk it back a bit. And I, okay, this okay. also ties into another really strong point. Or actually, I it's, a, it's another point of contention and a point of, of, of delight for me, uh, which is the world building. So, um, so in this world, uh, demons exist. Uh, apparently they're a big enough threat where the Vatican seemingly has that seemingly has like, like uh like a some special ops unit, of exorcist, and um, what was that? <laughs> I it's I, I love it I I will roll with it um but basically oh demons God, exist Chris is gonna go join the Vatican secret ops oh yes yes um oh and um. <laughs> Doctor Can or I'm sorry, Doctor Ember, who's Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. Um, he his family was killed uh, in a car crash caused by a possessed entity or possessed entity or um, a pes- uh, a demonic entity named Maggie, uh, and he's left crippled. And now he's devoting his life to revenge, um, use uh, in a se- like a la Inception style. So he goes around, um evicting demonic spirits. Uh, he not, doesn't use not the word. Because, not because he wants to help people. It's because he wants to find this demon. Oh, yeah. It's very selfish. He's, it's very death wish. He's, he's out for blood. He wants to take down Maggie. And he's, he's not, he's not a heroic character per se, but um, he's performing these evictions. And the reason why they're called evictions as opposed to exorcisms is that um, he, believes in the 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 concept of like parasitic spirits or entities uh like uh, just fucking with people uh but it without like the religious bent so he doesn't bend the knee to the vatican or or the catholic church he doesn't refer to them or doesn't use like holy water or crucifixes it's a very pseudoscientific um process so hence like the the whole inception thing where he literally like astro astro projects and dives into their dreams uh to help uh the victims uh like snap out of it so how how they explain possessions is that demons these demons infest the minds of people uh while they're while they're sleeping and they're dreaming, and then they permanently lock um, their victims into a dream like trance state, and then while 
while there, while that part of the self is uh, trapped in his dreamscape, the bo- uh, the demons are free to use um, their bodies at will. So Aaron Eckhart, being a religious, um, he he doesn't provide. He doesn't look at this in a religious sense. He looks he looks at it as like a clinical scientific. Uh, ration, uh, perspective. So he uses like a whole bunch of like science and medical equipment and uh, some he takes this so pseudoscientific. He has a team. Yes, and he's a team. So yeah, he has this like a support team, and he he like hacks into the brain. He hacks people's dreams, and he he try, his main job is to convince um people that they're dreaming so they can will themselves out of the dream and to expel the demon. Uh, so, um, that's, like, the crux of, well, that's, like, a lot of exposition, and the main core of the movie is this Maggie demon possesses a young kid, aka Cameron, young Bruce Wayne, uh, and it's, like, a very personal vendetta through lots of dreamscapes and twists and turns, and it's, 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 it's great. It's bad, but it's great. I love it. I think I think my problem my I don't mind predictability of movies. Um, I can handle them, especially because evidently I'm like I don't want to toot my own horn. But according to my fiance, I'm very good at predicting the endings of things. Um, so I'm okay with predictability. Most of the time, I just hope I'm wrong. Uh, but there were. There were so there was so much emphasis on certain things in this movie that you knew that that was gonna be the it moment or the it thing for the movie. So the door, the window, and then when the mother was saying, "Oh well, he he never told him that he loved him once in his life," and then that's how he pulled him out. Was his dad said, "I love you, buddy," and he's like, "No, you're not my dad. You've never said that to me before in your life ever." I just think that it that feels too easy and if you're gonna take the time to set up this world like that it shouldn't be that easy you shouldn't have the wind blown out of your sails uh spending all your time building this world and you shouldn't get the wind blown out of your sails so much from doing that 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 that's the way you end it now People might disagree with me about how they feel about that, but for me, and maybe I'm spoiled because I've seen a lot of horror movies, um, it just, it 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 wasn't good. Uh, I know that things like found footage are getting a little tired. Well, just when you get, I feel like just when you get tired of something, there's a movie that comes along and revamps it in a really good way and makes it interesting. And then there's a movie that revamps something in a really bad way and puts you off of it. And I think that that was this. I think this tried something new and I don't remember seeing a possession movie since this one that tried to combine science, even pseudoscience, any kind of science, with possession ever again and maybe it's because this was such a flop i don't know i would love to see something like this get attempted again i really really would i think if it's done really well acting aside i thought the acting was for what it was i thought it was great 
Yeah, it had some great talent. Um, it did, and just as like a concept as a whole, it's fantastic. I think it's. I think you have like a solid thing there, but you just you need it. Just needs like a little bit more. Needs a little bit more seasoning on it. Is what I'm saying. Just a little bit more seasoning, and then you. I think you could have something really, really great. I really do. But um, I guess what would your, I guess first initial thing to fix the movie would. My first initial thing to fix this movie? Or I guess like the most significant thing you, you think could be improved improved upon. Besides my obvious disdain for the use of doors and windows. Um Oh you, you, so maybe maybe less try to be more subtle <laughs> and less <laughs> No, I don't think well subtlety's good too, but I just think that I think that they had something with the personal item, the personal totem. I thought that was good. That makes sense, uh, especially when you go into the world of pseudoscience and astral projection and things like that. They There's a lot of uh, theory behind, uh, and they did this, actually, now that, I'm, now that we're talking about it, they did this in A Nightmare on Elm Street. They pulled Freddy out of the dream world to kill him, or they tried to pull things in with them. So that whole concept isn't, uh, isn't new, but the way you use it, is continuously interesting. So that I don't have a problem with. I think that, I don't think I would have made some of the character choices so obvious. Uh, like the I love you line, what the hell was that? I mean, as soon as you saw him and as soon as you knew he was a deadbeat dad, you knew you were in trouble. You knew he was gonna die. You knew the kid wasn't gonna, you know. I, I just think that you could have, I think that a little bit more attention to detail and I think just a little bit more time maybe working with somebody else or just taking a step away from parts of it for a while. You could have, you could have done something more with it. Um, I mean, counterpoint to that, I mean, this was produced by Blumhouse Productions and they're all, and, and they, I know. And that's why I was like, why? I mean, it's, it's, it's strange because like they, they have a great representation reputation for low budget horror films and like they i mean they have simple ideas but they execute it really well for the most part like you know perfect example like the purge and you know paranormal activity and um i feel like this what this movie was something that was a bit more adventurous and you know just given the the world building and like the the pitch you can see that um and i feel like Maybe maybe it's just a, it was a matter of Blumhouse was trying to was trying to expand and try something really different as opposed to its normal simple but easy to execute not no well not easy but I mean I think I think with parsimoniousness or simplicity like less is more and I think they tried to do a lot with this movie, which, and like for me, I thought I I thought like I thought they went really big. I, I thought they swung for the fence. I could and I really respect that because it just showed me things in the genre that like, I've never seen before, or they just combine like a really interesting petition of ideas like Inception and um, exorcism movies and and, and 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 like some action and some. Um, some like w- cerebral psychological thriller kind of movies that a lot lots of lots of other directors have done way better but 
um, you could definitely see like the genetics of like other contempt uh, other contemporaries, and it. Which I love that though. I love it when when movies and directors pay homage to things that have come before them. I see nothing wrong with that. But again, I think that there's a, a, a way to do it. Even the ending of this movie, I was sitting there like, oh my god, we're going to have an exorcism ending. It's an exorcism ending. And what I mean by that is, if you've seen the ending of The Exorcist, while the girl is possessed, the priest says, go into me, go into me, take me, leave her alone. And the demon does, and he throws himself out the window, and he dies because he falls down however many stairs there are. Great. So that's exactly what happens. He lets himself get possessed, and he throws himself out the window. And I was like, oh my god, this is great. I was very excited. I was on the edge of my couch. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It didn't end that way. Uh, because there was one minor detail that I forgot, which I was happy I forgot. They said repeatedly through this movie, don't mm-hmm. touch him. Yes, uh, the the demon is transferred via I, physical contact. Yes. And, yeah. Exactly. And they threw it in your face this whole movie. And that is the one thing I forgot at the end of this when she touches his hand when he's about to die. I was shaking my head. like, Camellia, what she, are you doing? <laughs> I, but it didn't. And you know what? That, that, see, this is, this is, this is. This is what I kind of, this is my love-hate relationship with this movie. The things that they threw in my face ended up coming back at the end, and I ended up loving that part of it. The stuff that they tried to make subtle, and I think maybe it's because they did it poorly, is what pissed me off the most about this movie. Because this, if tomorrow Blumhouse turned around and said, Talks for Incarnate 2 is happening, we have a director, I would be over the fucking moon. I'd be okay with it. And that's very rare for me to be like, yes, I want a part two of this mm-hmm. film. See, I I definitely agree. Like, um I just I want I want this to Oh, what was this? Okay. If there's gonna be a sequel, if there's gonna be extended universe, like again, the world building in this is so insane. Like, and they leave a lot of open threads. And I don't, I don't know if they made this movie in mind for like future franchising. But I, I'm a huge fan of like of lore and world building. And there's like, there's like giant what the fuck questions like they they leave in that like I really want to be answered. Like, like they like Camilla. Their eight of uh, the Vatican's agent that they sent out. Well, first of all, she mentions that many many exorcists have been sent there and they all fail. It's like okay, so they have like a special ops team of exorcists just trolling around. And two, <laughs> they've been calling they've been calling Cameron or Maggie an archdemon. So so that implies that they have like a, a serious codified system of classifying demons. So like like what other demons are there like is there like an over demon or 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 or, or like <laughs> just like lesser demons and it's like okay so tell me everything you this world believes about demons or like spirits or whatever they or whatever i mean like the the parasites whatever or, or no they call them the incarnates i'm sorry wow they they call they call the 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 spirits in here incarnates uh hence the name of the film um some other points, like the relationship. What Chris is trying to say is he wants in 
on the yes. secret of yes yes Chris, and i, I want to know how to tell you this i want to learn more heathens. about felix they'll never let us in <laughs> yeah. no i want to learn about felix. Okay, felix like he like okay so how does this work like uh felix de- develops like felix is dr Seth ember's um teacher and he's he's like he he's he takes it way too far so he, they throw away lines like um the vatican tried to cover wait uh, the Va- he's on the vatican's blacklist because he's this uh this this felix guy killed a bunch of people while doing exorcist just just because to save the world uh and and he developed a serum where he takes the blood of a possessed person and there, this was a plot a major plot point it's like if you take this blood and inject it to yourself it will give you 10 seconds of luc- lucidity and clarity lucidity, to yeah. kill yourself before the demon can pass on. It's like, oh, how did you find that out? But I even w- <laughs> but even that, even that fact, I, have you ever seen that before in a possession movie? I have sure, sure I haven't. love it. I, again, I love this movie because of how bold and how batshit crazy it is. It's so good. I love it. You just like this pseudoscience. But yeah, so that that's TLDR. I want more movies to flesh out the world because this world is so interesting and we know so little about it because there wasn't any sequel so not yet not yet but there might be okay so on the subject matter of pseudoscience oh god i'm gonna make people mad with that but on the subject of pseudoscience and schools and uh, uh, Vatican secret ops. Yes, Chris. Yes, I believe yes. you found something. Yes, <laughs> a little bit. I mean, okay. So when the Devil Inside came out, and I told you that I thought it was really interesting, I actually thought that the Devil Inside made it up. I was not aware until after the movie that this was a real. Yeah, thing. yeah. So uh, obviously now in 2018 we know it's a real thing. Yeah. But yeah, when I was rewatching this, like uh, the main character, she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna go to the Vatican because they have a school for exorcists." Like, oh, so I I I, pa- I literally paused the movie. It's like I wonder if that's a thing, and I googled it, and <laughs> and I found this article that's really recent. It's uh it's from April 2018 uh on BBC.com. So, quote, exorcism. Vatican course opens doors to 250 priests. So, unlike the devil inside where it seems like an extended curriculum and, like, a year-round and stuff, um, there's a week-long seminar course um, that that's, uh, that's, a, that's international internationally based. Um, and it covers the theological, psychological, and anthropological anthropological backgrounds to exorcism um and this article lists a lot of interesting points um so for one there's a growing demand for uh catholic priests um that uh are qualified or at least trained to report signs report and recognize signs of demonic possession um uh, apparently, in Italy alone, like half a million people seek exorcisms every year. Um, so, certain dioceses, um, such as in Sicily and in Chicago, they're developing their own courses to uh, rise with this growing demand. Um, however, similar to a lot of the points that are made in the movie, uh, there's like a bit of like 
bureaucratic red tape, which I can understand because like we were we mentioned how there's the concept of like do no harm, and there's also po- also natural explanations of weird behavior. But uh, a major exorcism can only be carried out by a priest with a bishop's approval. So hence the need for education and training and uh, and like the proper, I guess, uh, best practices. Um, and yeah, so there's this class out there that happens uh, and uh, I, I think each year and you can learn all about exorcism and demonology and um it costs a bit of a pretty penny uh it costs like 300 pounds so i think in u.s dollars that's at least like 500 dollars i think um but i just the fact that it exists and i just i just have i just feel like gilly like you just have some aaron eckhart priest looking like he's just gruff in the corners like ah and, and just to provide some sense of of like i don't know um both sides of the argument like he's like yeah religion doesn't matter but hey science is my is my weapon science will kill the demons and, he, and then this aaron eckhart like uh, look alike just brings out his own dream machine and it's like yes this is how you kill demons and chris that's the name of the episode demonic possession science is our weapon science is our weapon that's the name of the episode <laughs> It is, yes. it is law. Yes. I just, yes. I just decided that. Um, okay. So, earlier in this episode, I mentioned the fact that part of the reason why this school was established in the first place was because priests were exercising people with severe psychological issues um, instead of giving them medical professional help. And there is a really famous case that actually has had two movies made about it, um, about this German girl named Annalise Michelle, who doctors do firmly believe was mentally ill, uh, but her parents thought that she was possessed. And if you look at her before and after photos of the exorcist that of the exorcism that they put her through, yikes, she is. A shell of a person. Uh, she lost a ton of weight. She just did not look well. Um, uh, she was a college student. She said she heard voices. Uh, they actually have, and some people are very suspect of all of this and suspicious, but if you Google the uh, exorcism of Annalise Michelle, there are recordings of her tapes on YouTube. And it is incredibly unnerving to hear a human being, fake or real, I don't care. It is incredibly unnerving to hear a human being make noises like that. Because it is a person that is still uh, speaking like that. So mental illness, possession, whatever is going on, to hear a human know it's a person that is doing that. It's it's truly like, it does make your skin crawl a, a little bit. And, um... The name of the two movies, just for the record out there, that uh, were made about her was The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which sets a whole new tone for multiple possession. I mean, that movie was uh, stunning. I love The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And then there was another one uh, that focused more on the uh, religious side of it. It was a little bit more demure. It wasn't as 
horror based as The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and it was a German movie called Requiem. I, I'm sure you can find them both online somewhere. I don't know if they're on Netflix, Hulu, whatever, but I'm sure you can find them both if you don't already own one of them. And her case is completely devastating. And to this day, her parents still believe that what they did was the right thing. I, so, I mean, that's just that's yeah. a, that's something that you you see. I mean, I mean. You you inevitably be see or you expect to see, but like, um, you know, the how not just not not just parents, but how families and friends react when something of so bizarre and so like out of the realm of like the everyday happens to you, and um, that that, that there's like there's a real it's like not to not to trivialize. Uh, the real pain and suffering and anguish and trauma that this can cause to friends and family. But like, if this had, if it, like, I mean, yes, we, we can enjoy it as a pop culture trope and, and like, you know, like as a feel good popcorn kind of experience. But like when you actually think about it in real life where whether or not you actually believe in demons, like the fact that this kind of stuff happens and it's just really, it's just really, it's, it's devastating. It's, it's it really, really eye opening, and shocking, and, and and you know sometimes, and especially and and you know, great stories or interesting stories are driven by conflict, and like what could be more conflicting is you know trying to decide what's best for your loved one when something so otherworldly is in your face and like and i totally emphasize with the parents in that case in that case study so right because as a parent all you want to do is make sure that your child is cared for and you want you only want the best for them um but when something like this happens it just it break it breaks your heart because you wish that people or someone had an open enough mind and it wasn't so religiously focused that this girl, if she was mentally ill, which some doctors do believe, uh, she could have gotten real help and wouldn't have died. So it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's incredibly heartbreaking. And I, I hope that if the school is still up and running and things like that, they've been that they've been better about it. I mean, everyone is entitled to their religious beliefs. I'm not I'm not bashing on that, but I really hope that this phenomenon and world of, of exorcism has well, um I think I think what's great about these movies that they they've pointed out at, and I, we we haven't taken the classes, you know, in the Vatican, right. but we I, can't. We're heathens. Yeah, we're, we're not heathens. We, we are heathens, <laughs> but I like to think that you know with the church trying to negotiate and accommodate like modernity and like modern day concepts like science and the scientific method and technology that there, I, I think, I hope there is some sort of more holistic method in teaching and recognizing and, and acting where like they, they, they could actually apply like, like, you know, medical treatment or 
this or some sort of like uh, we've been throwing the, around the term a lot, but like pseudoscientific treatment where yes, these are based in real world concepts and proven methods, like treating a drug, uh, treating like uh, a person who's addicted to drugs or treating a mental ill someone who's mentally ill. But then if you're part of the Vatican, you know, you, you add that element of faith, that element of divinity, that element of Christian dogma. Um, because I feel like, you know, I mean, regardless of whether or not the, you're religious, uh, religion does serve a purpose. I, I, religion, uh, I feel like can, can act as a coping mechanism, as a, as a way to heal yourself internally. And, you know, are you speaking from personal experience? No, I'm experience? not. I'm not. Like, uh, no, no, I don't want to put you on the spot. I just that sounds like extraordinarily profound. Oh no, so I'm I just asking. <laughs> I, I guess for some, just for some uh, disclaimer context, like I don't. I mean, I was raised Catholic. Um, I, I'm not atheist. I'm somewhere around in the in the the general area of uh, of being agnostic. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily I, I mean i don't practice organized religion and i don't i don't know if i feel like there there has to be some sort of existence beyond us i feel like there has to be some higher forms of power whether that's like an actual being called god or maybe it's a system of karma or some sort of cosmic force um but i do i i i i, I and i think I think spirituality does serve a function and as a as a way to like make people be morally good and and to find ways to navigate through life and I do believe that um there's like I think that I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that there are there are benefits to things like yeah. that. I, I think that there are people who use faith not as a detriment to their existence and i don't i don't mean that as an insult i mean that they are still willing and able to accept the world for what it is and still maintain their faith and have relationships with other people without being um soul crushingly religious and by that i mean the people that decide to just shove it down their throat and my way or the highway and i have been around those people before um and I, I i think that there is a balance between that and i think that there are people that do achieve that and i think that if it's important to you and you are in my life then it's important to me but me personally no mm. not important to me at all man um this got so deep. <laughs> this got so deep so fast. Let's to swing the pendulum in the other way. Ryan, do you believe in demons? That is a loaded question, my dear. Um, <laughs> do I believe in demons in the traditional sense of possession and things like that? Um, I don't know. I've had things in my life that I personally couldn't explain, so I will leave that at that. Um... Do I necessarily believe... I believe in a malevolence in the world, a malevolent and malicious presence in the world. You can call that whatever you want. I believe that individuals have their own demons and those take their own forms, whether it's alcoholism or drugs or a really shitty personality. 
that's that's a thing that exists and that's where i'm gonna Mm -hmm. i'm gonna stay on that side Mm -hmm. of the fence with that little flag Mm -hmm. right there Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah well ryan surprise demons do exist because i'm a demon and we you just made you just entered a faustian deal so we sold no we we sold we sold all the souls to get this podcast on the running chris and on (laughs) this if you pulled off like a human suit and became a demon, yes. I would literally sit here yes. the same way. I would not be surprised mm. at all. Oh, you know what? I need to share. But we would love you anyway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I know this is way off topic, but I, way I off need, topic. I need, we have to I, do our spooky moment. Yes. Well, yes, we'll do our spooky moment and our movie review, but there's this fantastic, um, I, I feel, I, I want to say it was like, I saw this on Facebook. It might've been like a Tumblr short story or i don't know it was a series it was like a i think it was tumblr it was like a short story it was basically how a um uh a a, a, gr- a grandmother accidentally summoned a demon because uh she yes! was she was knitting she was knitting a a sweater for a grandson who's a, to- a total uh edgelord emo goth kid and she found um a book with occult symbols in it and she no, she she crocheted a sweater, and it summoned the demon. And the story progresses where the demon's all confused, and um, the grandmother thinks the demon is her grandson coming to visit. And the, it's just a, a really heartwarming story about this grandma and this demon just living together and helping each other I out. I feel like someone drew a, a comic along with mm-hmm. that. Um, the, okay. the version I read was just was text only, but it's like, yes, oh, no, demons, not all comic. demons are bad. <laughs> no, I saw a comic with this. Like someone, like someone drew something to accompany it. Mm. And I just remember it just being so endearing and yes. so cute. Yes. Anyway, so yes, if I, if I, like, I mean, I'm the friendliest, I'm the friendliest demon ever, so. Uh, Chris, I fully expect you one day to pull off your human suit. Okay, okay. And, like, reveal this, like, for whatever reason, I imagine you as, like, this majestic, like, bright purple. Because <gasps> I love purple, you know me so well. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yes, anyway. <laughs> so, on that note, oh, let's, get, let's get to the movie reviews. <laughs> so, yeah. what's, so how would you want Oh, I'm sorry. Uh what would you rate The Devil Inside? Okay, so here's the thing. Is our traditional rating system for how we deal with horror movies, I feel like don't apply to this because not enough people died. Just for like straight out of the game, uh, not enough people died. I mean, but so, here's the thing: is it is it such a different kind of movie that I feel like you can't quantify well, it the same way we quantify other. All the main movies. characters died. I mean, there there isn't any final girl. They died in a fucking car crash. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the demon. The demon's like, yeah, peace out, motherfuckers. And except here's what bothered me: he was still in the car. He didn't like roll out of the car. You heard the car door. You heard like the beeping because he unbuckled his seatbelt. But he, I thought he was gonna like open the car door and like roll himself out because that would have been good. But no, they just let him just get hit by a truck. Um, I don't know. I. <sighs> okay, I think overall. The Devil Inside was a better movie than Incarnate, but in terms of uh, subject matter and approach, I feel like Incarnate was better because it was different. 
I I agree. I'm pretty much the same way. Like I think the devil inside. I think. I think it set up. It had a really strong beginning, uh, the first and second acts, and then it did not stick the landing, and the ending was really abrupt, and you know, which is why. I mean, which voices a lot of similar criticisms of the movie, and and um, again, I, I mean, I'm not a filmmaker. But I feel like there was more they could tease out. I, f- I felt like... Uh, um, I felt like they could uh, have... I don't know. I felt like there was just an act missing. And I felt like it just ended all of a sudden. And I don't know if that was a matter of like budgeting. Cause I think it, it was wh- shock value. Or a shock value. I mean... Either way, the ending, like the ending, that like the last third act, like it just feels really rushed and really. There, I think I, I don't I don't think I don't think it transitioned very well. Um, but in ge- but it was still enjoyable, and I. I thought, I thought it was better filmed and better, better, uh, more well constructed third act aside um with incarnate yes there was lots of holes there's lots of like weird continuity errors and uh but i think among the two i think i'm i really i i really really enjoyed incarnate i was very surprised at how original it is and how genre bending it is and just how bold they were and and just like they're just teasing out this incredible world that you're just like I want to know more about this world but like and we were left with I with a cliffhanger and I don't know for sure if there's a sequel or not but I felt like Incarnate did what a lot of good movies should do where like it, it shows you something that you haven't seen before and and like it, def- it did that in spades. So I, I, if this was a like a like a battle royale, like I would give it to Incarnate. All right. Well, there you go. Now it's time for our our segment. You waited too long. God what? damn what it, Chris! <laughs> what? You waited oh. too long. The silence oh, is too long. So sorry. What is more spoopy? <laughs> He just fucking says it. I can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yes. All right. All right. All right. Dime, what are we, okay. what are we battling out today? Remember, nothing racist, please. I can't uh, that right now. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, um, so for those who don't know, we're gonna we end the episode with a fun segment. Uh, Especially given the conversation yeah, we just had, yeah. like we really need. I mean, this kind of happened. Just, just make sure, <laughs> make sure the phobias are sunny, yes. please, because like I can't. I mean, yeah, the last episode <laughs> it got it got like so. Uh, I mean, surprisingly, it was deep. hell. It was the fear of hell versus yes. belly buttons in yes. the last episode. So let's let's give it. Let's make sure it's yeah. a little bit fun. So, uh, th- so the okay. segment's called "What's More Spoopy" or "Phobia of the Week," where we choose two phobias through a random list generator, and we discuss what is more spoopy. Um, again, disclaimer: this is not to, to us, trivialize not actual phobias, but. 
Well, like with a random list generator, you could get some really weird stuff like fear of belly buttons, which happened last week. So uh, let's go with this week's random phobias. And so we got uh, gamophobia or misophobia or misophobia. I'm not sure how that's pronounced, but um, Ryan, which one do you want to learn first? Huh, I will take misophobia. Uh, mis- okay, we're going to call it misophobia. Okay, so misophobia is... Well, how's it spelled? Uh, M-Y-S-O-phobia. I'm going to say misophobia. 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 Yeah, okay. Okay, so misophobia is fear of germs slash dirt. Oh. And, yeah. So I have... Gamophobia, which is fear of marriage and commitment. <laughs> okay, well, I'm getting married, so clearly I don't suffer from that. But there are people that do, and I'm sorry. This isn't funny it's enough. It's not funny. Okay, you want to be fresh? No, we're not. No, there's no take twos. Are you sure? There's no take twos in this Are you segment. sure? Because yes, I, I just re-rolled, and this. these two are pretty great. If I accept, I will, for all of you listening out there, I will tell you that for the next episode, if I get another serious one and he gets another funny one, this shit's rigged. I mean, I I mean, I got Even the though. serious one, so fear of commitment, man. I mean, there's not, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand that. Um... Well, there are people who truly value being, like, alone, who don't. Okay, you know what? I redact. I've been single for, like, five years, and I've been kind of enjoying it so i understand people wanting to be alone and people not wanting to be in relationships that i understand uh in premise like obviously that's not the way i choose to live my life i am going to get married but to have a phobia of that it takes it to a different level that I would... If you have an actual clinical fear of commitment or marriage, I mean, not to say, like, you don't... You, like it, Not to say, like, you have to get married. Like, do what do what makes you happy. Do what you do. If you want to... Yeah, I mean... But, but, but if it's... If it's a pho- If it's a thing, it's a phobia that's, like, really severely like impacting relationships in a negative way like let's say you do want to get married but then you have like this crippling phobia due to xyz and uh, factors in your life or in your past or history then um i sincerely recommend you get some help you know talk to someone talk to a therapist talk to your friends talk to your family um and again this guy this got really dark and really deep and i I don't mean that I don't mean for this to happen. So maybe we should retweak this segment, but it's on tape. So we're committed. Um, Hey, you know what? It's fine. So yeah, I, I will, I will, I don't, I think this, well, it shouldn't, it should go without saying, but given a lot of different people's circumstances, uh, if you are feeling mentally and psychologically tormented by yourself or other people, I yeah, go, going to talk to somebody is the best thing for yourself. Like, you put yourself first. You have to take care of yourself and your mental health. So, for anything, I mean, f- spoopy phobias aside, like, 
you take care of yourself first. Mental health is the most important thing. Um, that being said, I am 150% hypocrite, so don't listen to anything that I say. Um, but yeah, uh, mental health absolutely comes first. Like you have to take care of your mind and the rest will follow. That being said, I don't see how the fear of, uh, marriage and commitment is even comparable to dirt and germs. But wait a minute. Okay. So actually here's, here's a, a, a modern example. Isn't Howie Mandel, well, he's, they label him a germaphobe, but isn't, doesn't he have a phobia of germ um, and dirt as well? That's why he doesn't. That's why he doesn't. Honestly, touch the first thing I thought about with uh, misophobia was was Monk, the TV show. <gasps> I forgot. Which, oh my god! Yeah, yes. which I love Monk, and I mean, yeah, it, that's such. But he, a cr- but he was sort of the same way. He didn't. He like wiped everything down, and and he didn't. Yeah, Howie Mandel's the same way though. He doesn't like shake hands with people. He doesn't like touch people. He doesn't share anything. It's kind of the same thing and he's quite functioning and he talks openly about it um clearly you can live live like that and that's fine um i don't think that this is not one of those weeks where you're gonna have a winner i think they're both pretty i feel like one's livable i feel like one's uh with Coaching and things like that. I feel like one of them you could you could live. I don't. I you know what? I don't even want to say that. I don't know. But there, I don't think there is a winner this week because I think they're both. I think if something plagues you in your everyday life that oh, horribly, there is no real winner, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's. These God are... damn! I didn't want to end on a down note this week. I what know. The fuck, man? I don't mean to. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, hopefully next episode we will be a little bit more animated in that department. Um, well, if and- Ryan would have gave me the green light on a redo, but we're uh, we would have gotten we would have gotten uh, okay. Bear with me, sesquipedella. Ses- ses- Quip- what? Sesquip. Wait, hold on. I, I words words are difficult. Sesquipedella. Dalophobia. Wow. Sesquip Dalophobia. Okay, now I got it. Which is fear of long words. <laughs> and That's thermophobia. just cruel. Yeah. I, fear of long yeah. words. I'm going to make it a long word. Yeah. Uh, oh, Latin. And uh, thermophobia, fear of heat. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's what could have happened, but too late. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should get a new generator. Like, I'm just going through this. This is... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. by the next episode, we will have a new generator because apparently Chris is very displeased with this one. Also, yeah. they're way too serious. Which is fine. I'm fine with serious, but this is supposed to be the lighthearted part of the podcast. Yeah. Maybe... <laughs> we we done a we done a mistake. <laughs> we done a mistake. I promise. We'll fix it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Demons. Said. That the moral of the story. Demons. <laughs> they exist. They're in your Scientific body. Demons. They're in your brain. Aaron Eckhart, save us. Can someone draw like demons in lab coats holding beakers? Yes. Yes, please. Scientific demons. Sci- scientific <laughs> demons. I really want that drawing. Just like uh... demons in lab coats. <laughs> 
yes, please. Um, like if you do, if you do actually do fan art, one, you're amazing. We love one, you. Yeah. And two, Ryan, where can they send us this amazing fan art? You can send us this amazing fan art at leftfordread13 at gmail.com. Or you can DM it to us at leftfordreadpod on Insta or anywhere else you can find Left for Dread Pod that exists mm-hmm. in the internet. Yes. Meaning Twitter. Oh, yeah. Do we have a Twitter? Are we, I think we, we do have, have a Twitter. Twitter. Yes. yes. At Left for Dread Pod. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, give us a hashtag. Demons. Scientific demons. Science demons. Just, <laughs> demons. if it has the word science and demons, please <laughs> include the hashtag. We'll find it. I promise if we ever start a band, it'll be demons in lab coats. Yes. Can I have a purple lab coat? Because yes. purple? Yes. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> okay, let's let's go inject ourselves with some possessed blood, get lucid, and get out of here. Because right. this is all a dream, and the dream is collapsing, and there's demons everywhere, and we gotta go. We gotta peace out. Stay dreadful. Stay dreadful. <laughs>